Welcome to Impact Drivers, a podcast about how entrepreneurs can build businesses that create a better world. I'm your host, Jen Helms. Welcome to the show. When devices that weren't designed to be connected to the internet come online, possibilities for energy savings and conservation open up. When all the work of connectivity, security, and data management is taken care of for bringing products online, it opens up new possibilities for innovation. In this episode, we hear from Zach Supala, CEO and co-founder of Particle. Particle is an IoT platform bringing the physical world online. I reached out to Zach because of their Particle for Good program which provides mission-driven companies reduced prices on socially-minded use cases. It turns out, however, that the company is having a significant positive impact even outside of Particle for Good. Particle has raised a $40 million Series C and has over 200,000 developers on its platform. Hi, Zach. Thank you for joining me on Impact Drivers today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So... I have been following Particle's progress over time, and it it seems like you've changed quite a bit from your initial starting place. Could Mm -hmm. we start out with you talking a bit about how the company got started and and how and why it's changed over time? Sure. So when I started the company um, back in 2012, originally, this was just after Nest had started to get big, and I was one of sort of a rash of entrepreneurs that popped up at that time saying, I want to take the concept of what Nest is doing and taking products and making them more intelligent. And I want to apply it in other areas. For me, the area that I was interested in was lighting and I got into lighting. My dad is deaf. I wanted to make his lights flash when my mom sent him a text message. That was the sort of initial inspiration to start working on that. And, um, but really I looked at it as one of the challenges about building a product for the deaf community is that it's a relatively small community, relatively small market. It's hard to build a business there. And I thought of it as just one use case of many. My thought was, well, there's a lot of opportunities that you can take from that for doing more with lighting. And it's not just about home automation, which is the sort of traditional use of smart lighting, but it's about using lights to share information, using lights to do immersive experiences, whether it's movies or gaming, using lights for energy saving purposes. Um, and my thought was, well, if these products just had an API and software developers could interact with them, then People could explore these use cases through building software applications rather than building hardware. And we can create the platform. In this case, it was the sort of hardware platform for connected lighting and then the API layer on top of it. Um, That turned into a Kickstarter campaign for a smart lighting product that we launched in 2013 and was unsuccessful. So that product did not successfully launch, never came to be, never got made. And... I was left with my early team trying to figure out what we do next. And now that we've got this failed Kickstarter campaign and we realized that in order to build the prototypes of that product, the technology necessary to build a connected product was sort of shockingly complicated. And it was complicated in a lot of ways that we didn't necessarily understand before we got into it. I think a lot of people who build internet connected products don't understand Um, and so we said, well, now that we've built out a lot of this, maybe there's an opportunity to take that platform layer underneath our product and sell that to other companies, recognizing that 
what we were trying to do to be the nest for X was very popular at that point. And so, well, if everybody's trying to build the nest for X, can we build the, can we build nests infrastructure? Can we take the software layers underneath and sell them to other companies who want to create those kinds of products? So we moved from product to platform. We launched a development kit for prototyping IoT products on Kickstarter again in 2013. That was super successful. Got us a big community of developers. We had a Kickstarter campaign with a $10,000 funding goal, we raised $600,000. Um, and so that kind of put us on the map and we raised some money. We, uh, we started building out the, the product. Um, and when we started shipping that product to customers, we discovered that what we had hoped would be true is that the people who were using these tools that we were creating for prototyping were building products that they intended to scale and that by choosing, by starting with us, originally called Spark, now called Particle, we would have this lead generation engine, right? Of like people tinkering and then they build something and it seems like it's a good idea. And then they call us and say, how do I scale this thing up? And we have a sales conversation. We sell them the platform that would turn into a scalable business. And that's now what we've become really is we are the particle as it stands today is the sort of outcome of that journey where we now are in the business of selling a platform to companies who make a wide variety of internet connected widgets. It's shifted from being consumer focused to more enterprise and industrial focused, which really is a reflection of how the internet of things has sort of transformed. Um, a lot of the attention in the industry has shifted away from the smart product, the nest like thing, but rather compressors and pumps and valves and big expensive machines that break, um, big expensive things that get lost. And that's where a lot of our business is now, but we are now sort of powering a big chunk of the internet of things. Okay. Yeah. And so, so it sounds like that pivot happened pretty quickly all within the same year. Yeah. I mean, the early, we pivoted a lot at the very beginning. In some sense, we've been pivoting ever since just right. slower and less, less extremely. Um, because at the beginning, we had a hard pivot because the initial products didn't work and then we shifted. Um, and since then, I think there's been more moderate pivots of, you know, from initially building out a developer community and a prototyping platform to building a sort of management and orchestration platform for companies scaling. Not exactly a pivot. It's more of a, it's where we intended to go, but it's definitely a transformation. We also went from powering Wi-Fi connected products to cellular connected products. That seems like it's just a, you know, you pick one wireless technology over another, but really what Wi-Fi connected products tend to be smart home and cellular connected products tend to be things out in the built world. And so that got us into in industrial and commercial and enterprise and all these other areas and automotive and vehicles. That's all cellular. So that was a, you know, what in some ways is sort of a small technology pivot that led to a dramatic business change. That I honestly we didn't really expect. It was a more of a change to the business than we anticipated. Okay, so could you kind of step back and explain a little bit more about exactly what your platform is? Like, yes, kind of using simple terms. How how does this work, and what is unique about it? Yes. So the if you think about a product like, um, we'll start step back and talk about the Internet of Things. So. IoT is an industry that's been around for, you know, in some, in some ways for a very long time, in some ways for about five or 10 years, um, is essentially 
an umbrella category of products that says we can take connectivity technology that we've mostly been using to connect people over the last few decades, which started with PCs and then smartphones, and we can now use it to connect widgets. And widgets, there's, you know, things, right? There's a lot of things out there. So IoT covers everything from set-top boxes like, um, you know, Roku's and smart televisions and stuff like that. It covers um, what we think of as the smart home, which is a lot of home automation stuff, lighting cameras, security systems, thermostats. Um, it covers a bunch of industrial equipment, uh, compressors and valves and pumps and so on, right? And a lot of invisible infrastructure, smart city, smart grid. There's energy use, a lot of energy use cases. Mm-hmm. Um, it's big, right? It's sort of if you're not a, if you're connecting a widget and not a person, that's IoT. IoT is newer than the internet in the sense that we're now taking the stuff that was built to connect humans and applying it to machines and introduces a bunch of technical complexity, um, relating to the fact that the technologies we're using were not designed for this purpose, right? right? We're basically trying to figure out how to apply the internet to things that were really never designed to be connected to the internet in the first place. And so the kinds of challenges that people run into, um, 75% of IoT products that people try to build fail. They never get to market. Oh, wow. And that failure rate is high because it's very technically complex. And it's technically complex because you have just a lot of problems to solve. First, you have to figure out how do you actually get introduce an internet connection into the thing? What kind of wireless radio are you going to use? You have to deal with things like antenna design and um, uh, certifications, there's a ton of regulatory compliance for wireless radios. If you are a company that makes traditional widgets like machines, this might be a new area to you, right? Of essentially figuring out how to do wireless connectivity. Um, so you have to kind of learn like what smartphone manufacturers know. And then once you've got the hardware figured out, you have the software stack that's running on the device. Traditionally, physical devices don't operate under the same software stack that like a computer does because they're designed to be simpler, more reliable systems that work for a very, very long time, but don't get software updates. So you have to figure out like software updates and security patches and security, network security, right? right? All these other things. And then you get into the connectivity. You have to deal with carriers and telco agreements and another round of certifications and um, negotiating with companies that are not designed for engaging with companies like this. Carriers are designed to work with Samsung and Apple and, you know, not with 10,000 widget makers, right? Uh, and then you, on the cloud side, you have, um, a software stack that is also complex in a bunch of ways that we won't get into. But again, if you think of the companies building this as manufacturers, just generally building out cloud software is probably outside of their area of expertise. And so you have all these forms of complexity that the kinds of companies who make compressors probably aren't deeply familiar with. And I, I summarize this as saying, you know, if you think about the tech stack that Nest had to build to create the Nest learning thermostat, if you think about the tech stack that Tesla had to create to make it so that they can deliver software updates to cars, um, we, Particle is that tech stack. So we, we sell this sort of infrastructure layers of software that a company, a deeply technically sophisticated company like Nest or Tesla would create on its own. We sell that kind of technology stack to companies that aren't Nest or Tesla 
so that they can create similar kinds of products and, and connected experiences. So a way for these companies to come online when it sounds like most likely they would have a hard time figuring it out on their own. Like right. oh, you said 75% failure rate, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that also kind of gets to, to why this solution is needed, it sounds like, is companies have a hard time figuring this out mm-hmm. without what you're doing. Yeah. So you mentioned security, all kinds of different challenges. Security has got to be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, security is a big one. A lot of the IoT products that do make it to market are insecure. Um, one of the ways that people manage to work their way through security without being deep security experts is just by launching an insecure product, <laughs> like by right. not bothering. And so there's okay. a lot of IoT products out there that are that don't have any security in place at all. Um, this has created a bunch of problems like, so for instance, uh, biggest data breach in, you know, maybe ever is the target data breach where all of our credit card information was stolen. Um, the way that the hackers got into Target's point of sale system was through the HVAC system. Oh, so wow. um, Target stores have connected HVAC systems that are provided by a vendor mm-hmm. that sells that solution that can be then remotely managed by Target headquarters. The hackers got access to that system in order to gain entry to the local networks in the Target stores which allowed them to gain entry to the point of sale system. So secure security issues in IoT, besides the fact that in theory somebody can control that device, can also create problems where then they can use that device for nefarious purposes. Right. And so um, it is a big issue in the industry. And definitely a big part of what we do is say, look, we we provide a secure technology stack, you make your widget. We take care of that and you don't have to worry about the security implications. So it sounds like you have a pretty large focus on working with larger enterprises, but how much, how much is it larger companies versus entrepreneurs at this it's point? A, it's a pretty big mix. And I think that even when we're working with bigger companies, we're typically working with innovation groups, R&D, what you might call entrepreneurship, right? So it's mm-hmm. our customer, the profile of our customer tends to be somebody who's Who's looking at a traditional, a traditional industry and looking to change it, whether or not they are doing so from the perspective of I'm starting a company or from the perspective of I work at a big company and I'm trying to change things. So if I, you know, examples of each, we have a customer called Alltrack that makes a monitoring system for wind machines. One of the fun things about Particle is we get to learn about industries that, you know, most most day-to-day folks probably didn't realize were industries. So a great example of that is the wind machine industry for uh, citrus and uh, citrus farms and vineyards. If you've driven up to wine country, um, you might have noticed that there are what look like tiny wind turbines over a lot of vineyards. They're like little fans wow. on, a, yeah. on a post. So those are wind machines. Um, they are they they are fans basically. They're giant industrial fans. And the reason they exist is because if they're used in vineyards and citrus farms for different reasons, in vineyards, one of the biggest challenges vineyards have is towards the end of the season, if the temperature drops and the grapes freeze in like a frost before they finish the harvest, you can lose some or a lot of your crop. And they want to get every day of growth that they can. And so there's this dance that you, that you, try and dance around the end of the season if the frost looks like it might happen early. The wind machines exist because if you blow, if you create wind, if you blow a fan over the entire farm, 
the frost won't settle on the grapes. And so you can protect them while you finish the harvest up until you're done and then and then you can turn the fan off. Problem is they only use the fan once a year. And so it just sits up there and in the weather. And so you go turn it on because it's cold and it doesn't work. Because sometime over the course of the last year, something broke and you don't know if it's rust or it's electrical system failure, or whatever it might be. So Ultrac uses particle to connect into the wind machines to be able to monitor them and turn them on on a regular basis and run a bunch of diagnostics tests so that if it breaks in April, you immediately get told that it's broken and then you can fix it then instead of when you actually need it. So Ultrac is a little tiny startup that is taking on, you know, a industry that is kind of a legacy traditional industry and creating an innovative product to try and change how that industry works. On the other hand, um, one of our most well-known customers is Jacuzzi, um, the hot tub manufacturer who has connected their hot tubs um, with a product they've created powered by a particle called Smart Tub that is really designed to give customers remote control over uh, over the temperature of the tub, which sounds like a relatively small thing, but hot tubs are big. Uh, they suck up a lot of energy. And so the problem is if you own a hot tub, you're either you're faced with the choice of either you leave it on all the time, which means you're wasting a lot of energy, or you turn it off, but then you never get to use it because it takes a long time to heat back up. And so when you want it, it's not ready for you. And so remote control allows you to be able to say, you know, without going outside or even from work, you can say, I'll turn it on now so that it's ready when I want it, which means I can leave it off all the time, which means you save a lot of energy. And in that case, Jacuzzi is the, they're the number one, right? They're the number one hot tub manufacturer and they're trying to innovate in their own industry. So we sell to both big companies and startups, but typically solving these problems related to widgets that are often these sort of legacy traditional industries that have been around for a long time. Right. Either way, opening up new opportunities for innovating. But right. Right. Innovation either way, just coming from different people. Yeah. So um, and you have a program specifically targeted at, at nonprofits and social enterprises, mm-hmm. right, that are using your platform for good. Can you talk about why you started that program and, and how it's mm-hmm. going? Yeah. So, yeah, the program is called Particle for Good. And this program came up totally grassroots. Um, one of our employees was a few years ago, um, we'd been talking about wanting to support customers with positive social impact. And this is more me and my co-founder saying, like, this is something we'd like to do, but we didn't have a specific tactical strategy for doing so. We were just trying to encourage the company and sales team and customer success team to, like, help people out when they're doing something that's good, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, one of our employees that came to us and said, I'd really like to create a program around this. I think we'd be more effective if we had a structured program. And we said, sure, come up with something and propose it to us. And so he went and did a bunch of research and he talked to a bunch of other companies who uh, had built social impact programs to try and come up with an idea of what was good and what was bad and what worked. And he ended up modeling Particle for Good after Twilio.org, Twilio being a multi-billion dollar now uh, public company, but a startup with, you know, trying to solve similar problems in a a similar space. And uh, Twilio.org. Uh, their perspective of, uh, uh, of the woman running it was if you want to create a great social impact program and you want it to last, what you have to do is you have to design a program that actually creates real value for the business. Because if you build something that is just because you want to do good, that's great. Except when, you know, when the company hits rocky waters, it's the first thing that gets cut. 
because it's totally extracurricular. So her opinion was, if you want to build a social impact program, you want it to stick around, you have to do so in a way that will create real value for the business. And so uh, Jeff, who was the guy who created this program, said, okay, what we need to do is create a is to create a social impact program that will actually generate real business. And so he designed a program that said, if you are a customer who has, who is a nonprofit or a mission driven organization supporting one of a set of targeted use cases that we think of as social impact, um, and they are environmental impact, um, STEM education, infrastructure in developing countries. Uh, and there's a fourth that I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, if you are one of these targeted use cases, which we've already seen out of our existing customer base, like we already know customers doing these kinds of things, we know these are some of the use cases for IoT, then we will provide discounts, extra support. We will essentially treat non-enterprise customers the way that we treat our enterprise customers. So you can be little and we will treat you as if you're big with similar kinds of discounting and support because we really want to help you be successful and, and do the thing that you're trying to do out there. Okay. And then do you have examples of how Particle has gotten used for those types of use mm-hmm. cases? Yeah. So um, a couple of our um, Particle for Good customers, um, one is a company called EnviroFit. Uh, EnviroFit makes stoves for um, for use in typically in developing countries. The problem that they were trying to solve is one of indoor air quality. So um, in a lot of developing countries, you have folks who will be heating their homes or cooking food using open stoves. Um, and the problem is there, uh, when you're doing that and you're burning whatever materials you might have available to, to heat that stove, um, and if you don't have a flu, now you're filling your house with toxic, you know, smoke, bad stuff, right? And that creates a lot of problems with asthma, other such issues, right? Especially with kids. And so EnviroFit created a stove that is sort of a, uh, um, a system that's designed to, it's very efficient and it heats things in a way where it doesn't put out that same kind of smoke. And that stove existed before they were working with Particle and they've been working with NGOs and various governments to get these products out. They sell the stoves, but they sell them very inexpensively and they work with governments to try and fund the distribution of these stoves into various places. They needed to prove efficacy for some of the grants that they were working with. So they needed to have information about was it actually working? What was the indoor air quality of people who are using EnviroFit versus elsewhere? And so they, they used Particle to do indoor air quality monitoring in, in order to be able to report the efficacy of these programs to get further funding and grants for distribution of these products. Another example um, is a company called Shifted Energy that uses Particle for demand response systems using water heaters. So on the energy side, you know, when we look at climate change, there's initiatives on the energy production side and on the energy consumption side. Most of the attention gets drawn to the energy production side because it's relatively easy to see how producing solar energy is better for the environment than coal, right? And there's a lot of opportunity for improvement there. Um, A lot of the biggest opportunity for improvement is is really on the energy consumption side, essentially allowing us to consume less energy and making us more efficient about how we consume energy. But it tends to get less, be less visible because it's more, um, it's a little bit more like blocking and tackling. It's not big, sexy changes. It's just right. doing things a little bit differently. And demand response is one of those, uh, is one of those initiatives where you can better control how people use energy 
Um, the particular solution that shifted energy built was a water heater that could, um, essentially store energy act as a battery. And so they could install a device on top of a traditional water heater that would allow them to heat it at the moments where, where energy, uh, the energy being consumed is either greener or is less expensive or some combination of the two to essentially help utilities be able to better manage load on their systems. And they were able to use that to improve the energy efficiency of the water heaters by a pretty dramatic amount, um, as well as be able to return energy into the grid from the water heater. And so, and then they used particle for sort of remote visibility and remote control into the system so they could actually see what's happening and be able to monitor and change the algorithms as needed as they learned more about how exactly these, these systems work. So those are some examples, uh, of the kinds of things that we, that we did. Yeah. And I mean, even outside of that program, it seems that a lot of how your platform gets used, I mean, there's great commercial opportunity too. It seems like just that ha- ends up having a positive impact on, on the world. Like you said, a lot of your, a lot of the use case is around energy and things like that or with water conservation. Has that come up? Water's a big one. Water and energy, you know, it's funny. I have, um, so one of our investors that co-led our last round of funding is a fund called Energy Impact Partners that invests specifically in green technology and companies trying to reinvent the energy economy. And when we started talking to them, you know, a lot of their investments are in like microgrids and very obviously energy companies, right? And we, we started talking to them and I didn't really think of us as an energy company. But in preparing for conversations with them, we realized like 85% of our customers have energy savings. It's either primary or secondary or sometimes tertiary, but like there's usually an energy savings play in there. Jacuzzi is a great example of this. Like if I told you we were connecting hot tubs to the internet, you would not necessarily think energy savings. That is the primary way that that creates value. Um, we, I think that there are other cases where we see applications with a maybe secondary impact. So, um, one of our customers is, is a big HVAC distributor called Watsco. So they're using us for air conditioning. The primary value is service, improving service and maintenance. So essentially being able to better understand when the machine, when the air conditioners are likely to break. So they know when to send somebody out to fix it. There is some energy savings in there because, you know, a truck roll, like sending somebody out to fix a machine is a truck roll and a truck roll consumes energy. Right. But the secondary use case is improving energy efficiency on the air conditioner where they've discovered that they can they can see in the sensors if the air conditioner is charged the right amount. So air conditioners have refrigerant in them. And if you have the, if you have too much or too little, it doesn't perform optimally. So they can see in the sensors if it's not optimal, they can send somebody out to charge it. And that improves the efficiency of the air conditioner by 10%. It's a secondary use case, but it, you know, it, it has a positive impact. Um, and so we see a lot of that kind of, you know, oh, it turns out that now that we have this thing online, we can see that it's not being used as well as it could be. And if we fix that, then we consume less energy. And and, and so there's a lot of that happening in part. So are, is there a particularly surprising way you've seen your platform get used? You know, yes, a lot of. I mean, mostly I get, I just get surprised by the problems that exist that I didn't realize were problems. And so like the, you know, the, the all track, the wine, um, is a good example, is a good example of that. I mean, one that we have a customer that monitors, um, manhole covers. There are sometimes, sometimes you discover things that are a little scary. Manhole covers more often than you would like explode off of the ground, uh, and damage 
whatever's around them. It's a particular kind of manhole cover. It's not like any sewer, like whatever. It's not like the manhole cover that like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles used to go down to the sewers. It's like, it's uh, gas and electrical systems. So if there's a manhole cover covering a natural gas system, you can get natural gas leaks that happen under the manhole cover, which will then just go for a while without anybody noticing until there's a spark, at which point the natural gas combusts, the manhole cover goes flying off and hits something and it creates damage. Whatever the manhole cover lands on, right, is like buildings or cars, right? And now you've created a bunch of damage. This happens more often than you would like. So they created a system that it's a sensor that goes underneath the manhole cover that uh, just monitors for natural gas. And so if, if there's a gas leak, it will detect it. And then somebody can go out and fix it before a spark happens to cause the manhole cover to explode. Okay. So we, we see, we so see things important. like that, which are like, I didn't know that manhole cover yeah. would explode. And when we got, you know, the customer comes to talk to us and that's was like, that seems very obscure. Like I didn't, we go in skeptical because we're like, I didn't, I don't think that's a real problem. And then you Google it and you're like, Oh man, that happens a lot. There's a yeah. bunch of news articles about this happening. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of surprises like that. Are there certain ways you wish your platform would get used more for? Um, you know, I think that with on the energy side, I'm always most excited when we see use cases that have a positive energy impact because I do think it's one of the ways that particle can have the largest social impact is by is by helping to solve climate change. I think that those use cases are often either secondary or they're sort of reliant on grants grants that can be, you know, hit or miss pretty finicky. Um, and so I wish there was just more funding for those kinds of applications. I wish there was more consumer demand for energy savings. I think it's still something where consumers are very, are not particularly good at understanding total cost of ownership. You know, if something, our willingness to buy things that cost money that will save us money slowly over a long period of time because they will reduce our energy bill. We're not great at that as consumers. Businesses are better at dealing with that kind of stuff, but consumers aren't. And so I think that that makes going after some of the really compelling consumer energy savings opportunities challenging. So I'd like to see just more there, more support, both from individual people and from you know governments and NGOs of those use cases so that they're so that they're more consistently the you know deployed scale yeah so how can that kind of get sparked there's a bit of a cultural shift yeah we might need as consumers for that to really take off but right so the funding i mean that's a good question is how how do we get those types of initiatives funded because you obviously can't just you're running a business (laughs) right you need need to still charge for that type of thing well it's you know and i think things like i think you see good examples of it of tax incentives for electric cars, right? Great example of like, okay, that probably meaningfully changed the pace at which cars have been electrified. That kind of support, mm-hmm. I think of, you know, whether it's tax incentives or um, just generally either economic incentives for things that are that have a positive environmental impact or economic disincentives for things that have a negative environmental impact, right. um, you know, cap and trade, that kind of stuff. Like I think those... It, any of those kinds of moves will make those products more effective, more successful. Okay. So probably need to get wrapped up soon. So I'd love to hear what's next for Particle. What's what's on the horizon over the next year to five years? What are you excited about? You know, I think that the some of the things that we're 
seeing IoT is pretty is still a pretty young industry, all things considered. It's and because it's sort of a catch-all industry, there is often um, these sort of moments of discovery of particular use cases. So, for instance, the big one last year was micromobility. Um, we powered a bunch of the micromobility scooters and bikes that like came out of nowhere and all of a sudden we're like a big chunk of our business was was powering these things and then they all went away in COVID, right? Like it's been this sort of weird, there's just all these use cases, like when we were signing our first micromobility deal, my head of sales and I would, were sort of joking with like, okay, cool, good idea, scooters, right? And then like, <laughs> just took off, right? And like, okay, we missed that one. Um, the, I mean, we didn't miss it. It was, it was a product that was powered by particle, but like we had no idea that it was going to take off. That was going to take off like that. Yeah. And so I think that's something where, um, a lot of what is to come is sort of like we don't actually know. Um, it's, and it's one, one of my favorite parts about the business is it's just whatever good ideas people come up with and, and mm-hmm. we're waiting for the next, you know, big innovation that happens on a platform. Um, I think a lot of what we're trying to do in the meantime is just trying to reduce the barriers, um, better democratize the, the industry, um, make it easier make it easier to work everywhere. We're very bullish on cellular as a sort of like making it really a lot of what people think of as IoT is in the home and is using Wi-Fi networks. And the nice thing about cellular connected things is that they just work. Like nobody has to set it up. Nobody has to like remember your Wi-Fi password or whatever. It's just you turn it on. And if there's a cellular tower around, which there always is, then it connects. And now things are just connected. And so we're really bullish on cellular. Um, there's some stuff coming with 5G that like is overhyped, but eventually will be very useful for us about just reducing the cost and complexity and um, of deploying cellular connected widgets. And there's some like really deeply technical stuff there that is more complicated than we should get into, but will save on power consumption. And like that even on its own seems like kind of a technical hairy mess but like the i think the world in which we're heading is one where you can have a battery in something and then have it just be internet connected for years on its own think of your smartphone right you have to you have to charge it every day that works for a phone that you put in your pocket and you can charge it at night but like we're powering machines that get deployed for 10 years either it's got to have a giant battery or it's gonna only talk like once a week right and it's going to be asleep the rest of the time which limits what it can really do and, you know, so, or, or like some incredibly expensive solution that like, you know, or they put in like solar panels, but that only works in certain environments. So there's this, you know, generally power is a, is the, one of the big constraints. And we're just seeing a lot of innovation there about reducing the power consumption of cellular networks, which when that happens means that all of a sudden you can actually do this stuff for 10 years on a, on a battery. And that opens up a whole new chunk of the industry that things that just didn't make sense until you can just throw it out there and have it last on a battery for a long time. So that's stuff that we're, you know, gets into the technical weeds, but we're excited about. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today, Zach. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Impact Drivers. Make sure to visit our website at impactdrivers.io where you can subscribe to the show. If you found value in today's episode, we would appreciate your rating on iTunes, or if you could tell a friend about the show, that would be great too. I'm also available as a business coach. You can learn more about my services at lucentpathways.com. Join us next time. 
for a chance to be inspired and learn from the entrepreneurs daring to build the hard businesses that create a better world.